The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. everyone I'd like to welcome you to episode 68 of the boys of tech for monday the 31st of may 2010 incidentally the last day of spring in the northern hemisphere and last day of autumn in the southern hemisphere i'd like to also welcome my co-host brett king coming to us over skype welcome brett howdy and uh you're i understand you're skyping from uh, your brand new netbook i am i'm skyping from the the my neat little netbook while wrapped up toasty in bed, because as you said, it's very much winter now. Oh yeah, down here it's, I think winter kind of set in last week, didn't it? Yeah. Freezing stuff. I mean, you don't need a fridge. You, you can kind of like turn your fridge off, be green for a little bit, you know, save power, and put your feet outside. <laughs> you very much good. It's pretty much that kind of weather, that kind of temperature, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Then you'd only have to worry about the wind blowing your food away or it getting all damp. <laughs> yeah, this is Wellington. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even a can of baked beans would blow over here. <laughs> yes, and roll down the hill. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. We've got hills here as well in Wellington. So, <laughs> so that's bad news, right? We've got it's either rain, wind, or a hill. Or all three. Or all three, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I think maybe I will keep the fridge on then. <laughs> Maybe the fridge isn't that bad after all. It'll be safer for your food. Oh, absolutely. All right, so we're going to kick off the, the show. Oh, by the way, something that happened this week, which I thought was interesting, uh, just this week it was announced that Apple's valuation, for the first time, and only briefly understand, surpassed Microsoft's valuation. Yes, I noticed that too. But someone did mention they kind of leapfrogged each other over the course of the day. So, um, what were they doing over the course of that particular day? Oh, it must be to do with shares, surely, you know, the buy and yeah. sell. And I, yeah, who knows? Oh, and that could just be a software glitch. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, yeah, it could be. Yeah, then you have to consider what's, uh, whose hardware is that running on? <laughs> ah, yeah. Is that running on PC with Windows or is that running on one of the, the X servers? I uh, must run on Linux, surely. That way there's no favoritism. I must have done it that way. All right, so let's, let's kick off the show with uh, a warning from Microsoft. Now, Parallels, these are the guys that do the virtual windows on Mac, or one of the solutions for that anyway. Mm-hmm. And they've got the solution that they've developed, which is basically a migrate your machine from XP to Win7. It basically creates a virtual XP machine inside your Windows 7, and that way you've still got access to what effectively was your old machine, albeit a virtual instance. Mm. Uh, now, Microsoft have come out uh, sort of warning against this, saying, hey, you'll be breaching our license if you go ahead and do that. Possibly breaching the right license. It depends on which particular license you purchased when you purchased your operating system. Yeah, that is For true. Instance, well, um, Microsoft... If you... Sorry, hmm? no, you go ahead. For instance... Oh, no. For instance, if you had a... Uh, official single, uh, you know, official license for your XP machine, and you purchased an a official full 
install of your Windows 7, then you can quite happily have the two running together because you own individual licenses for each operating system. And those ones are transferable, I understand, right? Yeah, yeah. And it only runs foul when you purchase an upgrade, one of those cheaper upgrade editions. Or OEM, I believe, as well. Isn't that right? I think OEM would breach as well. Uh, You can't transfer those as far as I understand. hmm. Well, I call it... Possibly. You are... you could be right there. The thing is, I Microsoft- always thought that the only difference between OEM and retail was uh, OEM only comes from the suppliers and it doesn't have the box. Yeah, I thought there's a little bit more than that too because I know at work we can't transfer the the OEM ones, but that might be because it's a volume one. It's um, I'm not really sure, but what I what I do know, and this is what I was going to say before, is that you're right. It's not all. It's not everyone that comes under this, but according to Microsoft, it is ninety percent. So 90% yes, of people the are, vast majority of people would yeah. be purchasing the upgrade editions. But you know, the thing is that the thing that Microsoft have come out and said this, it, it kind of seems a bit odd because it's almost a little, they haven't kind of said it, but it's almost as if they're attacking parallels when in fact, really, it's, it's just, or it should be, a warning to the user about making sure you've got the right licenses before you go ahead and do something. Indeed, because, well, Parallels worked on this product in conjunction with Redmond. Microsoft provided space for Parallels at one of the Microsoft Windows 7 events in Paris to showcase this product. So it's not like they didn't know about it. And Parallels have said that they make it clear to users who buy the software that you must have the appropriate licenses for your two operating systems to be able to use this tool. Yeah, to me, it's a bit of a non-issue, really. I mean, it is, it's a little bit of steam blowing, but it's also works out to be some pretty good PR for the Parallels product. Well, actually, yeah, that's a point. It actually probably has done them a lot of good. Because while I knew about, you know, Parallels being one of the many virtualization, uh, you know, outfits out there. I didn't know about this product until this article came up. Right. I'd actually heard about it uh, about a couple of weeks before, I think. But, you know, I kind of, well, I wasn't really interested in it. <laughs> I didn't find out much about oh, yeah. it. But, but like, you know, you're not upgrading. Well, exactly. You're not wanting to upgrade an XP machine to a Windows 7 machine. No, and keep exactly. It pristine. There is a, you know, it's <laughs> quite a niche that this product is for. Well, it is and it's not. I mean, I wonder whether quite a few people will come under this because, I mean, hey, who wants to, you know, who wants to have Vista? I mean, people were kind of skipping Vista and there'll be a lot of people that hung on to XP. And mm-hmm. now, that because Windows 7 is actually reasonably good, they want to go from XP to Windows 7. And this, I think this might appeal to quite a few people, really. I'm not so sure. Well, you reckon people just blow it away and... Yeah, I, I, I am a person who, when I buy the new thing, I just blow away the old stuff and I install the new operating system and I then reinstall the software and the things that I need to use. It doesn't take a huge amount of time. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to save your settings if you've you know gone in-depth to create settings. Microsoft itself creates migration tools for exporting setting files. You stick those on a USB drive, Fresh install, shove that in, boom, there's your settings, reinstall your software, you get clean of everything. The whole upgrade process is generally a bad idea in the first place because you end up going from your machine, which you probably upgraded and did these things to because it had gotten the 
the regular, I've had my machine for ages and it is now bloated with crap. <laughs> and so you want to start fresh. And when you do the upgrade process, you're just importing all of that bloated crap from your previous install to your new install. So it's always a good idea to start from a fresh platter and build upon that. And it's not that hard to grab your settings. It's not that hard to reinstall your software. Yeah, that's true. But I do like the solution. And, you know, I'm not I'm not entirely sure whether the Windows 7 part, which is physical, whether that's a clean install or whether it's an upgrade or what. But I kind of like the idea of, you know, having this Windows 7 as your, your physical install and then inside of that, in a little bubble, your previous machine that you can go back to for the next wee while until you decide that you, you might eventually get rid of it. I can, but I kind of like the way that the solution's engineered. It's It's quite nice, well, I think. Well, it's quite neat in the way that it packages up, but it's not like you can't get the compatibility issues, you know, that this is supposed to solve through the regular, uh, what is it called, um, XP mode with the XP virtualization that is built into several of the Windows 7 distributions. Yeah, but let's say you had a whole bunch of software that you don't really want to carry over to Windows 7. You want to keep this, this the Windows 7 kind of clean but you want to be able to go back and just in case you need to do something or check something or you forgot to import something then that's quite yep. nice yeah yeah but as you said it's i think this is uh, a lot of publicity for parallels if anything and it, the, the story that you know in the media they've kind of made out as though it's a, a warning from microsoft like microsoft uh kind of coming down and saying oh, 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 oh not too good this is not too good but they're already saying well they shouldn't be saying that if that's what they're saying. I, I think it's the media that made them out to say that. Really, all they're saying, mm. I think, is, hey, guys, go for it, but just make sure that you buy another version of Windows if you're in the 90% that would run foul of the licensing system without purchasing that extra license. Mm. All right, Mozilla is going to, well, is trying to get VP8, which is, we talked about this last, uh, was it last week, I think? Uh, Google's open source video codec into html5 so mozilla is now pushing for this to to go into the html5 specification which would make things very interesting because apple have always at least for a very long time gone with the specifications and it would Mm -hmm. essentially i wouldn't say force but put it this way if they want to stay in those specifications they're going to have to start supporting the vpa which they don't really seem that keen to do yeah, yeah, because at the moment, the only one that is in there is the H.264, which we have gone over to death over the past few weeks. <laughs> yeah, if you want more info on that, check the last few episodes. Yes, <laughs> but it's been the only one that's in there. What was it? Og Vorbis, no, yeah, Theora. Theora, Og Theora. Yeah, Og the Theora used to be in it, but then for all of the many other reasons which they... You know, there's been uh, tender hooks um, around Ogtheora and its open source licenses, whether or not it falls foul of other people's patents and all that sort of stuff, got taken out. Well, apparently analysts are saying a similar thing about this one, that it, they're not really entirely sure, or convinced is probably a better word, that the VP8 isn't infringing on other patents either. They're not entirely sure that it's completely clean. Mm-hmm. Although having said but that, I think it's, it's more Google likely. behind it. <laughs> yeah, it has. Uh, yeah, that's right. But uh, it's interesting that Mozilla are the ones sort of, you know. Pushing it. Yeah, pushing it. Mm. And this really does. Uh, Mozilla's been in the news a couple of times over the past week. Since we had that, uh, we talked about that article which was stating, you know, from Firefox, from one of the creators of Firefox, 
that the Firefox Mozilla team had stagnated. And then since then, we've had several of these Mozilla fronting up with new plans, new things. Probably trying to raise their profile. Yeah. (laughs) Showing that they are actually thinking ahead, trying to do something new, bring in new things. And it's good to see them um, supporting because, yeah, having a selection, not too big a selection, but, you know, some choice in the integrated codex that the HTML5 specification supports is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Internet uh, Microsoft, who, who do Internet Explorer, they, they haven't, remember we talked about this uh, a few weeks back, that they weren't going to put any more in, in the in Internet Explorer. The H.264 was pretty much it natively. But they have, in light of this story, they've actually come out and said, when it comes to HTML5, we're all in. The level of commitment applies to the video codex that IE9 will support as well. So I think what they're saying there is, okay, if... VP8 goes into the uh, HTML5 uh, spec, then we're going to put it into IE9. Yep. It really will, will come down to Apple as well. I think uh, I think Apple will force themselves, if, if you know what I mean, to do it because they want to, they've always been proud of sticking with the standards, particularly with, you know, with the web, you know, CSS and uh, what's the other one? <laughs> HTML, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that thing, you know. <laughs> what's the other one? Oh, Edward. Yeah, yeah, the, the thing that drives web page thingies on the interwebs. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, you mean front page? <laughs> no, no, you're swearing at me. <laughs> yeah, um, so HTML and, and CSS, they've always been really proud of you supporting that, and their browser has often been the first one each time to support the, the new standards. So I, I think what they'll do, I'm, this, this time will tell, and you know whether this goes in or not, we don't know. But if it does, I think Apple will support that in Safari. Mm. And I hope they do, because what I don't want them to do, and for any company for that matter, is to say, oh, look, no, we don't like it, so we're not going to implement it. That part is not going to be totally compliant to the spec, but that's the way we're going. Because if they do that, it's going to go back to the, to what Internet Explorer has been all along, mm. which we know is bad for, for development. Yes. Now, to, speaking about specs and Apple and all that sort of stuff, uh, Time Warner and Universal have come out and said... They've got some Flash-friendly video libraries, and they've come out and said they're not going to rewrite them to make them compatible with the iPad. So we've had the, the, the first of the big names coming down with the we don't want to have to redo our stuff just to support your platform. We've done it in one thing, which is supposed to be cross-platform, so anybody can use it, and we're not going to redo it for a specific platform only. As you know, I, <laughs> this is what we were talking about over the last couple of episodes is things about the iPad and uh, the Apple and Flash debate. And all it would need would be for some big ones to come in and say that we don't want to have to recreate our website for each individual platform. We are sticking with what is the you know, almost obligatory standard for cross-platform. They have to be careful, I think, though, as well, because... At the end of the day, we know that iPads are selling, and although they can do that for, you know, they, they can only do that so much, I think is what I'm trying to say, because if users do have the iPad and therefore can't use Flash, then it is going to be Time Warner and Universal that miss out on those sales. 
So yes, because at but the end of the day, then, it's the consumer that rules, right? The consumer decides what they're going to buy, and if they buy stuff without Flash, I guess really it's a, and it's an analogy with with the whole web standards we were talking about earlier. If I was building a website and I drew a line in the sand and said, right, I'm going to design my website totally to spec. Now, if I did that, chances are that users of Internet Explorer would not be able to use my site because I use it as or used to anyway before uh, version eight and nine used its own standards. Yep. And if I did that, people wouldn't come to my site. So I, what I have to do is I have to sort of bend over backwards to suit the customer. Well, yes, but it, it is once again on those market shares. And as we have seen, the Google Android operating system for phones and even for new tablets, which are being announced, is on the uptake. Tablets are coming out of thin air like almost <laughs> every tablet well yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um is producing them and there is lots of stirring within different organizations and different of the 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 geek groups in a backlash to the what's seen as the corporate control freak sort of stance that Apple is taking. Yeah, actually, you're right. They, they are very much behaving. I think you've got that pretty much spot on. They're very much behaving like the big corporate now, you know, like like what Microsoft once was. Mm. And, you know, it's it's not healthy. And I think you have a point as well. It comes down to market share. We have to look at that. I mean, if, if Apple still have a, a very small market share or a relatively small market share, it's not really going to hurt you know, Universal and Time Warner and whatnot so much. It's not like they're at 75% market share or something like, say, the iPod is. So, yeah, I think you've got a point. Uh, you know, they can do this while, while Apple are still a relatively small. And I think this is this could actually, going back to the analogy I used, I think that's kind of what you're saying, if you like, if I can uh, argue your point for you, is that it's a bit like the, the web thing, okay? People would build for i.e. and maybe a couple of others, but they wouldn't bother with, say, Safari because at least a while ago, and maybe even nowadays actually, uh, it does, Safari simply didn't have that bigger market share. So people don't, web designers don't really bother with that mm. so much. Yep. So, yeah, you're right, it does come down to market share. Now, did you see that fake uh, BP Twitter? There's someone on Twitter pretending to be BP and sending out sort of funny tweets. Here's the last one, just as of the recording of the show. It says, uh, they've put free BP Sunday. Go into any BP location and collect your free hugs, handshakes, and matches. (laughs) Remember to say thanks, BP. (laughs) And the hashtag for that is BP Cares. Uh, I think, yeah. I don't think that's a real BP account. No, somehow I don't either. In fact, here's, a, here's another funny one that I want to read out as well. They want to fine us $4,000 for every barrel of oil spilled. Um, We're not spilling barrels. The oil is going directly into the Gulf. Duh. It's obviously not BP. <laughs> obviously not BP. Uh, the reason I want to talk about this story, though, is, is not because people thought it was BP. Uh, I'm sure everyone knew it was fake. But they thought they found who it was because someone admitted to it and said, yeah, it's me. But apparently that was fake. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so the, 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 the writer of the fake Twitter is was fake. Well, it's still unknown. Yeah, the, the true writer is still unknown, and the, <laughs> the person they thought they uncovered, which is someone by the name of Mike Monteiro, he isn't. 
Ah, so it was just a joke. Someone just playing a joke. That's what you're saying. Yeah, a jo- someone, you know, someone claiming that it was that it's them, but it's not. So now, uh, and you know, the story when that happened, the, the, there were stories all over the wires saying, you know, the uh, the fake BP account has been exposed. You know, writer has been discovered, and all this sort of stuff. And then they all go back to updating their their stories, going, "Oh, actually, no, we still don't know who it is." <laughs> it's not you, Brad, is it? No, no. You know, I don't have a Twitter account. Yeah, but you know, you could have told me a little lie. No, no, no. I have the fake BP Facebook account. <laughs> I leave the fake BP Twitter account to you. It's our separation. <laughs> That's I, right. I yeah. Do fringe. That's right. I'm the Twitter you know? guy. You're the Facebook guy, and I don't do Facebook, and you don't do Twitter. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. wouldn't impinge on your Twitter domain. <laughs> oh, that's so kind of you. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of uh, uh, BP, did you see there's a live feed of the oil gushing out, which is pretty sad, but it's kind of cool that you can see. Yeah, it is quite cool that you can see it. It, it you know, another example of um, <laughs> the, the, the human race's fascination with catastrophe. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and being able to see it live. <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of cool that we can. You know, you, you're, un- you're seeing this from, you know, live, you know, from robots underwater. Uh, this leak that look kind of looks like uh, what does it look like? A chimney spewing out. I mean, it's underwater, but it kind of looks like a chimney spewing out black smoke. Yeah, yeah. Which is the oil, you know, rising up to the top. Well, right now it just looks like the outside of a weird robot doing some sort of twitch. It's doing a dance in blackness. Oh, is it? Must be night there. <laughs> well, normally, must be night. The light, there should be a, it should be illuminated, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a light on, but it's completely black. You can't see anything else except every now and then an occasional bubble or something drifting up past and all of the various appendages and attachments on the, the, the robot or the pipe thing or whatever it's attached to is rippling in this upflowing current. You know, these days, it's not that surprising that we have this on the internet, but I remember back... Was it in the must be in the mid nineties? This is a, a New Zealand thing, but it actually attracted worldwide attention when Mount Ruapehu started uh, erupting. Oh, erupting! Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we had a live camera here. We had a couple of live cameras here in New Zealand, pointed at Mount Ruapehu, and this was all around the world. It was this this because it was one of the first uses, one of the first implementations of live video for something major. Mm. It was a big thing. It was. And now it's kind of like, well, it is still kind of cool, but it's like, ah, oh, yeah, oh, well, I, I know how they did that. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a webcam and they're plugged into the internet. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> it is still pretty neat to watch. The fact that it's underwater and that it's something current, you know, a current event is, is I think, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Just think of all those motoring hours that are just drifting away there. Oh, it's a terrible disaster. It is. It far surpasses the well, the previous largest oil spill disaster, the Exxon Valdez. This one is <laughs> way worse. This is uh, this is quite sad, actually, because it's something that could have been prevented. Mm. Now, speaking of rumours, we're talking about rumours about the uh, Twitter, the fake uh, BP Twitter thing. There are also rumours that Steve Barmer is going to be going to WWDC. And people thought, yeah, Microsoft are going to turn up at this Apple-organised developer conference and the rumours was, was out there, but apparently it's been quashed because Microsoft have come out and said, Steve Barmer not speaking, this is a tweet, Steve Barmer not speaking at Apple DevConf, 
nor appearing on Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> nor riding uh, in the Belmont, just for your information. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, they've got a sense of humour. <laughs> they do have a sense of humour. That's pretty neat. Which I like to see. <laughs> that, is, that is so funny. wonder who started that rumour. Yeah, that would be an interesting uh, thing to uncover, actually. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Steve's diet of developers has not, you know, been quenched at Microsoft events. <laughs> he seemed pretty enthusiastic when he was doing the developer thing. Yeah. All right, so, uh, so just on that same topic, uh, just around the show off, nice short show this week. What should Steve Barmer do with Microsoft to get things on the right track? Uh, there's been a few things that have been suggested on a senior article. I just thought we'd go through a few of these and then see what we think. First one is to focus on phones because their phones have pretty much been forgotten and this could be a huge revenue source for them. Now, do you mean Microsoft-created phones or phones running Microsoft operating systems? I think what Senior are referring to is phones running Windows 7. So I think we're talking about the operating system, Windows 7. Yeah. Focus on that. Get it out there. Get it, you know, keep it going. Because you know what they did with, you know, 6.5. I mean, it kind of stagnated. Yeah, it stagnated, but it, you know, it was still on millions of phones that came out in, you know, (laughs) 2008, 2009, even early this year. Tons of phones. Yeah, if they if they really concentrate on, on this area of the market, they, they could do very well. Mm. Well, they, they well, were doing well, but I mean, they could do even better and continue to do better. Mm. And, you know, there's suggestions that they could incorporate that in with their Zune HD. So yeah. you could come up with the Microsoft version of the iPhone. Pretty much, so yeah. It does the, the whole media, MP3, all that sort of stuff, and being a phone with the touch interface. Now, here's something interesting related to that, because one of the points they've listed in this article is to stop Zune brand creep. And I think this is important because they came up with the, the brand Zune, right? Now, I don't know how they thought of the Zune because it's, it's a bit of a strange name. But anyway, they thought the Zune yeah, was... it's quite out there. It is out there. So they thought it was a cool name. And then they introduced a new service for the Xbox Live that lets users stream HD video without a long download time. So it's nice and efficient. And apparently, the the Zoom team came up with some of the underlying technology. So what they decided to do is they call that Zoom on Xbox Live, but it's got nothing to do with music or the Zoom player. It's, mm. They just called it that because some technology from the Zoom team was used in it, but it's got nothing to do with Zoom. So stop calling it Zoom on Xbox Live. It's this is brand creep. Keep mm. your brand separate so people know what they are, or at least if there's if there's a connection, sure, integrate them. But if there's not, don't call it the same thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're definitely doing that wrong, that's for sure. Yeah, if they're completely different products and they've got absolutely nothing to do with each other, then you don't use the same name for them. No, it's confusing. Yep. And uh, the other one I wanted to pick out here, which I thought was quite good too, is no more Microsoft points. So, in fact, let me just read this one verbatim. My bank account and credit card statements are denominated in a globally accepted currency known as the United States dollar. I'd like to be able to buy songs from the Zune marketplace in the same currency rather than having to translate Microsoft points into dollars in my head. (laughs) See, I've got a completely different niggle with uh, Microsoft points and the various other points systems out there. 
And that's not to do with the transfer of money to these point systems. I think that's the the reasons for them, the reasons that were previously given for the creation of the point system, those sorts of things, were perfectly valid. They were so you could have a responsible adult party pay a certain amount to generate a certain amount of points or whatever to an account, which your, you know, child or teenager playing on the Xbox would be able to use those points to get things for their Xbox without having to need a, a credit card, without having to have any sort of cash transaction there. So that system there is pretty good. It's a great system to allow parents to monitor the spending of their children online. It's great. Um, and I have no problem with using that system. What I hate is the fact that you can only buy those points in specified denominations. And those denominations are almost always a little bit more than anything costs. Oh, now that's annoying. So you'll buy 400 points and the thing you want to purchase, and the only thing you want to purchase is 350. So you'll have these 50 points that are just sitting there doing absolutely oh, nothing. Oh, now that, that's actually pretty smart. Or the other one where you've got your 400-point block, but what you want to get is 500 points. A nice, you know, that's a, that's a nice, relatively standard figure, 500 points. But you can get it in a 400-point block, an 800-point block, or a 1,600-point block. Why? Why can I not just get, I want 500 points? Oh, man. <laughs> that's what annoys me about point systems. I have no problem with purchasing the points. Because there's, there's some pretty good reasons for having that sort of system in place. But being able to specify exactly how many points you want to purchase, not buying stupid blocks. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be annoying. Because that that's very the part annoying. that annoys me. Because then it's like, well, I'm not going to buy anything now. I'll wait until the number of things that I want equals the same amount as I would get from whatever combination of block purchases I can use to buy it. <laughs> but I'm, I still don't really buy your first argument, though, because why can't parents still put on, say, I don't know, $50 or something, and it's $50? It doesn't, why do they have to call them points? Or, you know, I, I don't even know the well, ratio. What is the ratio yeah. of a point to a dollar, anyway? Is it a one for one? or No, no. It's, what, what, it's what is it? completely different. For instance, I think in New Zealand, you could get 1,600 Microsoft points for what, 20, 30 bucks. Uh, I, I don't know what the, the direct translation across is, but it could very well be for specific reasons of they're not a, a money handling entity, so they can't create a bank account or a credit account for it. They wouldn't need to. I mean, look at iTunes. I mean, it, it tells you how, much, how many dollars you've paid on your account. I mean, it doesn't mean they have a bank account there for you. It's just recording how much you've got, and when it gets to zero, you can't buy anything. All they have to do is divide that 1600 by something and, and put a dollar sign in front of it and bingo. Bob's your uncle. Mm. I still don't understand it. Well, I still think it works in, the, in regards to the situation that I was talking about where you're not wanting to equate it directly with monetary figures. But it is anyway. We know that under the hood. It's still... Well, know. yeah, but when you're letting loose your family to download things from the Zoom marketplace... I don't know. I, I would have thought, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It just seems a bit weird to me. 
Well, so anyway, you disagree with this. Situ- that, that- well, it's one of those situations where they can have it's 400 points, but if it was done in dollar figures, they would have to go, well, okay, it's 400 points, but that's really $5.93. It's $5.93. But would it matter? Or maybe it's yeah. to do with the multi-currency, so they can say it's 400 points. Exactly. Regardless of where you are, and okay, you've you spent $25 in New Zealand, you might have spent 18 US dollars, you might have sp- spent 13 there euros, you go. or whatever. There's, an, there's a reason, which for some reason I had not seen at all. Is, maybe maybe yes, that's the reason. But that, then, It creates a global currency for their marketplace. But I think Regardless of where you are, that 400-point thing will cost 400 points. But I think and it just happens as, to be that how much your 400 points cost you. Well, I think as the senior article was saying, I think their point is though that it introduces yet another currency. I mean, they could the other way of doing it is what iTunes and, as far as I know, everyone else seems to do, and that is simply show the currency and what you've paid for. So it remembers that someone in New Zealand has spent twenty five New Zealand dollars and they've got twenty five New Zealand dollars left, and someone who put on thirteen euros will have thirteen euros left, and so on and so forth. And the prices are just shown in the currency that you're, that's native to where you are. It's the other way of doing it. Because what they've effectively done is, yeah, sure, they've kind of globalized it, but it's yet another currency. How do they work out the exchange rates? Let's say I put on 13 euros. Well, I put on 20 euros because I was in Europe. Uh, I then come to New Zealand and I have my account, but everything's in New Zealand dollars. Ah, uh, well, if it's like iTunes, you can only put on New Zealand dollars or whatever you signed up your account for. Then how would that be if I had 20 euros and I now lived in New Zealand? Oh, if you move. Well, you can change your country, but you'll lose your credit. So in other words, you wait till you've run out, which is fine because you can still buy. Remember, you can still buy stuff whilst you've got credit, even though. So if I put euros in, say I was in France, and I put euros and that's where I lived. I put euros on and I decided to come out to New Zealand and live there for the rest of my life. Well, what I would do is I'd use up those last few remaining euros until it gets to pretty much zero or very close to zero, I then go into my account on iTunes and say, I've moved to New Zealand, and it will say, yes, thank you, you're going to lose all your credit, are you happy to continue? Yes. And then bingo, you start off with zero NZD, zero New Zealand dollars, and then you start putting on New Zealand dollars. Yeah, I think that sucks. Because you lose out. Yeah, I know, but who moves yeah, country all the money. time? They steal who? money from you. That is called stealing. But you could still, you know what, you could still it's use... stealing. But, <laughs> but you could... <laughs> You How can many still people use your euro- have gone, well, I've got like, th- I've got three quid left in that account, but what I want to buy is, is like 25 bucks here. My three quid's not going to cut it. What am I going to do? I either create a brand new iTunes account. Or you keep putting on five pounds or, or euros or whatever you're in. I mean, you don't have to tell. Yeah, but then you've got to, you know, then you've got to deal with the exchange rate of where you're currently at. <laughs> and the fees to convert. Yeah, actually, that's true. The credit card fees fees that go on top of the um, exactly. exchange rate. Yeah, Either true. way, they're sticking it to you. I think that sucks. Yeah, there is. Look, I'll <laughs> now, if iTunes had <laughs> iTunes points. Yeah. That were points that were only used on iTunes, but you could pay whatever the hell currency you happen to be at. Yeah, I can see that benefit. For iTunes points. Yeah, I can see that benefit. You wouldn't have that problem. As long as it was an equivalent. You didn't have to buy them in stupid blocks. Well, let me actually, the other one I do use is Skype. And let me tell you what Skype do. They do kind of something that seems more intuitive. 
And you, you can basically flick to any currency you like at any time and they give you an exchange rate. They tell you what the exchange rate is. It's, it follows a kind of daily one. You lose a little as well. I think it's kind of favoured so that they each time you change, they pocket a little. Uh, I think they're just, they're just erring on the safe side so that they're not lose, simply losing out and you winning simply by going from currency A to B to C to D until you've made Playing it. the currency yeah, market. Exactly. Playing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Playing the currency market through the bank. Absolutely. So they, they sort of have it in their favour slightly, uh, but you can change and you don't lose stuff. So if, and this kind of works quite nicely because say I'm, again, let's just use the example. I, I live in France and I'm used to euros. So I put on euros and I carry on working in euros. I came out to New Zealand and I've learned that everything is in New Zealand dollars and I'm used to, what New Zealand dollars are and what I get you, and I'd like to start using New Zealand dollars in Skype, so it's like what I'm used to in the shops and everything. And then you just flick and change, and it converts it for you. Sure, you lose a, a few cents, uh, maybe a dollar if you've got a lot of money on there. So what? Uh, and you continue, and that's quite nice. So that is a that is a nice way of doing it. That's what Skype do, but none of them use points though. Still, I'm not saying the points are wrong, but I just don't like them. <laughs> but yeah, I can see. Look, they all have their benefits, and you know, as you pointed, well, as you, po- yeah, it, yeah. It's, I, I see two benefits, especially seeing as you gave one to me. <laughs> I did <laughs> that. Make four different marketplaces, which are closed marketplaces created for specific purposes, for specific audiences via specific mediums. That the point system allows them to get rid of in the global market a lot of issues around your exchange rate. And if, for instance, Microsoft got rid of their Microsoft points and it all became US dollars, then everybody who wasn't in US dollars would be being shafted for it because they would all get transaction fees going on, exchange rates, fluctuations, all that sort of stuff. So they can pay their Whereas when you have your points, the points are, I think, relatively priced to the market that you're in. Okay, but let me say this, though. With the points, you still don't really have a good feeling for what something costs. I mean, some item will cost, say, 1,600 points. You're still going to go, now, hang on, how much was that? How much did I pay for those? Well, I paid this much. So is that device worth this much? And you have to do that in your head because it might be cheaper to go down the road and buy it. It might be cheaper to get it online or Amazon or something. It depends on what you're getting from it, yeah. Because for a lot of the things, well, let's... What I do you use know points. Buy on there? What can you buy on there? Can I you- use points on two different systems. And for them, it is all downloadable content for games or such that I am using through that media. So, for instance, I have games which use Windows Live, which uses the Xbox Marketplace, the Xbox Marketplace, the, the Zoom Marketplace now. And I have to pay Microsoft points for the downloadable content from that. But aren't and, you going to still work out how much it's costing you? Aren't you going to say, well... Oh, yeah. I will, I will guesstimate it. I'm not going to work out to the nearest cent. No, sure. But Is isn't that, that still a pain? Isn't that still a pain? Really. Like if, not really. When you know that, you know, 400 points is la many dollars. If I go and buy 400 points, then I know that this thing, which cost me 300 points, is just a little less than this. And I can go, well, I can get that DLC from here. Or the only other place I could possibly get that DLC is maybe wait and see if they produce it on a DVD for me to buy at a game store. And then what's going to be the markup on that? If it's tunes and those sorts of things, then yes, 
you could work out where it was that it was coming from. But I really don't think it would be that hard. Mm. But then they could change their point system to be more in line with one particular currency. Now, that would help. Say one euro, one US dollar, something like that. Yeah. That would kind of help. Mm. But even then, it doesn't make it easy for everybody. Because if it was all aligned to the United States dollar, those of us down here in New Zealand would still have to go, okay, well, that's seven US dollars. Seven US dollars. What is seven US dollars at the current exchange rate? Ten bucks. Or me. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, uh, well, well, yeah, but everyone has to do that right now. So if they had it aligned with one currency, then at least those, the people using that currency would not have to do it. Oh, and, and why should they not have to suffer that they're, what the rest of the world has to suffer? <laughs> <laughs> Fairness all round. Well, I'd okay. <laughs> Maybe points are good after all. Okay, bro, I'm going to wrap this or up. they just have it done in the local currency. If everything was done localized to the local currency on the systems, on the marketplaces, then everybody would be happy. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. And then just call, put a dollar sign and not call them points. But anyway. Indeed. But I'm guessing that is probably a heck of a lot more work in the back end. So I, I actually quite like Skype's version. It's, I think that's the nicest. It, it, it's, Skype is kind of the closest to what you have in real money. So if you've got physical euros and you come to New Zealand, you go to a, a, a travel ex, you know, exchange thing and you, give, you hand over your euros, they give New Zealand dollars. Sure, it's in their favor slightly. But hey, that's that's the way life is, and you walk away. And I think that's where Skype have got it, done, mm. uh, you know, done quite. But nicely. then, if you were taking that to the Travelex, you not only is the exchange rate slightly in their favour, but you'll be giving them a fee to do it too. Yeah, well, I mean, a percentage, isn't it? Yeah, I, so some of them do. I'm not sure if does Travelex. I'm not sure. Some charge no fees, some charge fees, and but then the ones that don't charge fees have a worse exchange rate. So I think it all kind of evens out. But however, it's done. I, I quite like the Skype way, as long as you don't lose out too much. Mm. On that note, I think I'm going to wrap up the show. But in fact, before I do, don't forget to check out our website, boysoftech.com. Feel free to leave your comments there. You can also rate our episodes now on the star system, on a five-star system. If you like the show, give us a thumbs up. If you didn't like the show, still give us a thumbs up, and we'll be happy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's how we like these things. Absolutely. No, there is a thumbs down. for everybody. <laughs> no, there is a thumbs down. So if you really didn't like us, you can do that. Boysoftech.com. Uh, this is episode 68 all wrapped up. Brett, I'd like to thank you very much for being my co-host. Always a pleasure, Ed. This ended up being a little longer than I thought because uh, we talked about <laughs> the currencies and points for quite a while. Yeah, we did indeed. <laughs> really thrashed that one out. It's good to do these things sometimes. Hmm. All right, and I'd like to thank everyone listening to us. See you all again next week. Till then, take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.